Well, this is the second in a series on The Truth Matters. The truth of the matter is, the truth matters. By the way, Pastor Lincoln Murdoch is in Costa Rica this weekend. Don't feel sorry for him. He's not on vacation, or don't be jealous of him, I should say. Uh, he's working, he's ministering at the Christ for the City International Board Meeting in Costa Rica. So Chip Anderson and others are down there. The board members are down there. So please pray for Pastor Link. And uh, earlier, Jennifer received uh, a word from her mother that her mother had a need. So pray for Jennifer's mother and uh, her situation down in Tennessee. Life is unpredictable at times. There's pop-ups. Life happens. We really need the Lord. And I think this message today will go right along with the in uh, the, those things in life that we can't predict, those things in life that are for sure, and the one thing that's for sure is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's the only thing for sure. He's the only one that changes not. So the truth of the matter is the truth matters. And today we're going to talk about the truth will set you free. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that the truth is a person, and you are that person, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by you. So, Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, give revelation to our hearts today as we gather in this cafeteria for food, for fellowship, and now for spiritual food. Lord, I pray that every heart will be open to receive from you, and we know we can count on you opening your heart to us today. We pray for Link as he's down in Costa Rica. We pray that it's a wonderful, engaging, and meaningful time down there, and that he's being a great blessing as well as being blessed. And we pray for Jennifer and caring for her mother from afar and I know that uh, that can sometimes be challenging as we feel torn of what we are doing, what we could be doing, what needs to be done. But thank you, Lord, that her mother is in the best possible hands she could be. We, we rest in that. We rest in you, and we trust you to provide whatever's needed today for her mother, whatever's needed for today in all of the needs represented here in this cafeteria because I know there's been some challenging times with uh, what Rick and Wanda Smith are walking through with what's happened and uh, their extended family and just other things that are going on, those that are in need of employment, those that are facing challenging times, those that are facing health issues that are unpredictable, uncertain. But thank you, Lord. We, we, we bring those before you. We trust you, and we know you're for us. Who could be against us? Nobody cares more than you. And we just take great comfort and peace in knowing that if you're for us, who could be against us? Nobody cares more than you, and we just rest in you today. So, Lord, use this message. Speak to me and through me to bring some things alive today in a renewed way, in a new way, in a fresh way, all for your glory, all for your purposes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. You can look at your bulletin, follow along with me. My theme verse or verses are taken from John 8, 31 and 2 and verse 36 where it says, 
If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 36, so the Son so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free. Well, that sounds good. But what does it mean to be free? More than words, what is the reality? Certainly not free to do our own thing anymore. God has rescued from us from that. He's delivered us from that. He's saved us from ourselves. He's saved us from Satan and hell. He's saved us from the me first life. What does it mean to be free? Well, there's some major PowerPoints, so to speak, that I have today that I want to emphasize and and verses that go along with. Jesus is my freedom. Jesus is my father. Jesus is my life. Jesus is my divine yes. Let's take those one at a time and drill more deeply. Jesus, my freedom. The scripture there is Galatians 5.1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. There we're talking about getting back under the law. Trying to live the Christian life on our own strength. This pastor, as uh, Pastor Murdoch's wife Nancy shared a couple weeks ago, that there's only one person really, in reality, who's ever lived the Christian life on planet Earth, and his name is Jesus. And the good news is that when we do that 180, give him the keys, surrender to him, and he moves in and lives in us, then he can live the Christian life in and through us, personally, uniquely, and completely. Jesus is the law keeper. Notice what it says. It's not in your notes, but Matthew 5.17 says that Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. We're the lawbreakers. He identified with us. He died a sinner's death on the cross. He kept the law. He fulfilled it. He's the righteous one. He's the holy one. And as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In him. Freedom is only in him. He is my freedom. You know, we, we, we have this notion of trying to do things for God. We have this notion of trying to perform and do better and reach a place of freedom. But what God wants us to know, that in him, we are free. I think as we go along, this will become more, uh, more clear how we tend to perform and how we tend to live a life for God instead of in God and from God. Notice what it says in the next section. Jesus, my Father. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, Jesus sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, like a slave to sin, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. 
as we were dedicating, or at, rather as, the, as Joseph and Mike were dedicating Benjamin to the Lord earlier, you remember I shared that part of his, the meaning of his name includes favored son. <laughs> In Christ, we are sons and daughters of the king. Favored. I didn't say favorite. Favored. Favored sons and favored daughters. And if you know me and if I know you, it's not uncommon for me to come up to you on a given day because I see you with eyes of destiny and I'll say to one of you, you're a favored son. John, favored son. Ryan, favored son. Joe, you're a favored son. And you know what I often hear in response to that? No shame, no blame, not using any of the guys I've mentioned as an example. But people don't know what to do with that. And my, the most common response is I declare to someone, seeing them with eyes of destiny, reality in Christ, often they'll say, well, I'm working at it. And the beauty of it is you don't have to work at it. You are. You are. <laughs> I know what the mindset, though, is. I'm working at getting better. I'm working at being more consistent. I'm working at being more disciplined. I'm working at being a favored son. Turn to the person to your right and left and say, you don't have to work at being a favored son. If you're a favored son, you're a favored son. Or a daughter. The good news, there's a lot of good news here this morning. The good news is, as a son or a daughter of the king, we're free. We are no longer defined by our history here on planet Earth. Our history may not be too bright, by the way. <laughs> God deals with reality. So where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So I needed a lot of grace. I don't know about you. So no ignoring of sin, no ignoring of my past, no ignoring of that history. It just doesn't define me. He does. <laughs> Am I minimizing? Am I living in denial? No. I'm agreeing with God, which is true humility. I'm no longer a slave to sin I'm no longer the sum total of my life's experiences or some defining part thereof. I am who he says I am, and I'm a son, so I don't need to work at being a son. I am a son. So live like a son. <laughs> Do we know who we are? If we don't know who we are, we're very likely, if we don't know who we are as a son or a daughter of the king, then very likely the stage will be set for us to try to work at being something we already are in him. Isn't that ironic? And that's exactly what it is referring to in Galatians 5 when it says, For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of a slavery. In other words, don't keep trying to achieve what's already true. Don't keep working at being a son or a daughter of the king when you already are. Don't try to keep getting better. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. He is your acceptance. He is your life. He is your freedom and more. Jesus, my life. Galatians 2.20, and I'm going to read this in the King James Version, which I love all the versions but I like this one the best. 
and it makes the point very clearly, I hope and pray. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by the faith. Did you notice that? I live by the faith. Whose faith? <laughs> Amazing. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Is his faith enough? Joe, is his faith enough? Does Jesus have enough faith? So that, hopefully, that reality will free me from faith in faith, hope in hope, hanging on by a thread and hanging on, as opposed to receiving and resting and believing what's already true. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Well, let's, let's talk about some practical application. You know, it's one thing we can have truth and perspective. We can talk about the what is true, the what that is true. But how does this apply to our lives, Luke? How does this apply? And how do we do it? How do we appropriate it? How do we apply it? That matters, too. Years ago, thank you, honey. Years ago, there was somebody in my life that I was struggling with loving. Anybody ever have that struggle? Free to be known. I won't mention who it was. It doesn't matter who it was because it was my deal. It was my issue. It was something that God wanted to do in me. But I was struggling with loving this person. And, of course, we know of the principle and perspective of loving by choice. Love is a choice. But the Lord showed me something very real and profound to me. The lover lives in me. The lover in me loves them. So the truest thing about me is I love them. You're thinking, oh, that's weird. You're going too far. That's mind over matter. That sounds like mental gymnastics. That sounds like brainwashing. That doesn't sound like integrity. Oh, not true. It is integrity if you agree with God. What could be more of an example of integrity than submitting to him and agreeing with him, even if it doesn't feel real? Because whether it feels real or not is not the issue. What's true is the issue. And he is the truth. And what he says goes. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. So what happened is that I began to appropriate that and apply that and walk in that. You know what happened? The feelings came. <laughs> I didn't have to work at it, not that I should have worked at it anyway, but loving by faith in the perspective that I shared, it was like, I really love them. I really feel like I love them. I started with loving them by faith, but now I love them from my heart. But it started with loving them by faith with the perspective that the lover lives in me and he loves them. So that's who I am. That's who I am. I'm not the sum total of my life's experiences. I'm not what I feel. I'm not what I've done in the past. I'm not how I failed or succeeded. I am who he says I am right here, right now. And then moving on to the next point, as we do in review, Jesus, my freedom, 
Not trying to have freedom, not to get freedom, not trying to achieve for freedom, not working for freedom. He is my freedom, Jan. Isn't that exciting? And he's my father. He's my father. And if he's my father, what does that make me? I'm a son. And I don't deserve to be. That's not the point. (laughs) I deserve to be burning in hell. But I'm so glad he adopted me. I'm so glad he lives in me. I'm so glad he remade me. I'm so glad he transformed me. I'm so glad that the old has passed away. I'm so glad that the new has come. I'm so glad I'm a new creation. Amazing grace. And it's true. It's true. It's true. And I'm grateful. And I agree. And I'm free to receive because I'm so grateful and convinced I was in desperate need. That helps. Jesus, my life. Yes, my Lord. Yes, my Savior. Yes, my Father. Yes, my friend. Because you know what it says in John 15, 15? I no longer call you servants, as he was talking to his disciples. I call you friends. Now, we're not talking about buddy, not putting him in the buddy category of an inappropriate familiarity. We're talking about he reveals He reveals what's in his heart, on his heart, as he lives in us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He's not a distant God. But this, as we agree with God and as we participate with what I'm saying, you're going to experience what I'm saying. Jesus, my divine yes. What does it say in the Amplified Version in 2 Corinthians 1, 19 through 20? For the Son of God, Christ Jesus the Messiah, who has been preached among you by us, myself, Savanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it is always the divine yes, for as many are as the promises of God, they find their yes, their answer, in him, Christ. For this reason, we also utter the amen, so be it, to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. So what would be an application of this? Does anyone ever get tempted in this room? Anyone? Is temptation a sin? Temptation is a proposition to satisfy a God-given appetite in a non-God-approved way. But you know what we tend to do? As sincere, conscientious, totally committed believers, we tend to allow even a temptation to be an indictment against us. It's like, well, if I'm thinking it, I must want it, especially if I used to do it in the past, especially if it's been part of my history, and I've been tempted that way, and I've given into that before, and, you know, I thought I was free, but here it is again. It's on my radar screen again, and there it is. It must be true. Have you ever thought of responding to a temptation instead of saying, no, 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 saying yes? him, saying yes to the divine yes in us. 
saying yes to him in the face of that temptation, which includes, that's not who I am. (laughs) That's not who I am, Rick. I'm a son. Whatever that behavior was, that's not who I am anymore. Oh, yes, temptation is there, but temptation is just a proposition. I don't have to believe into that temptation. I don't have to believe it. I don't have to yield to it. I don't have to submit to it. I can agree with him and who he says I am. But there'll, there'll be a challenge, of course. There'll be some resistance. And we, 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 we wish that the resistance wasn't there, don't we? We wish that the devil would leave us alone. We wish that the flesh wouldn't make that proposition to satisfy a God-given appetite in a non-God-approved way. We wish we didn't face that. We wish we didn't struggle. But have you ever thought of this perspective? Take it as an opportunity. Don't view your temptations only as enemies, but as opportunities. Now, I realize more than one thing can be true. I, it matters that we don't visit the scenes of temptation. It matters that we don't make provision for the flesh. It matters that we flee youthful lusts. All that's true. Not putting the Lord to a foolish test. Not, not presuming on his kindness not taking him for granted, not being guilty of the sin of presumption. True, true, true. And yet, what's true in his eyes? What's true of us? What's true of you? You'll never be free experientially if you don't agree with him and who he says you are. You'll sadly leave a struggling, many times defeated and discouraging life if we don't agree with what's already true. Now, just in review, though it isn't the main theme of this message, this message that I'm talking about, this freedom that I'm talking about, isn't true of everyone. There are terms. There are conditions. It's not a performance. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Unless you repent, do that 180, and turn from that me-first life and orientation and put him first and live for him, you will all likewise perish. Perish. And if you die in that heart condition, you will lead a Christless eternity separated from God. So it's not a matter of earning it, but it's a matter of positioning, heart positioning. Turn from that me first life. Turn to Christ is my Lord and Savior. Maybe it will begin in a very embryonic way, but there'll be fruit. If there is no fruit, there probably isn't any root but it's not a performance thing. There's participation. There's cooperation. If you were in a deep, dark hole today, let's say you went went hiking in the woods and somebody set a trap for an animal and you you fell in that trap and you went down in that deep hole and there's no ladder, there's no rope, there's no way out of that deep hole. 
you're lost and you could yell all that you want that nobody knows that you're there. You need rescuing. And then somebody throws you a rope. And you can look at that rope and say, yeah, that's a rope. That'd get me out of here. I believe that's a rope. But unless you grab a hold of that rope and begin to scale that wall and participate, repent from being in the hole and participate, you will stay in that hole and never get to the surface and never be free. There's a participation involved. It's not earning. It's not performing. We could never do enough. That's why Galatians 5.1 is there. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, therefore, and do not go back to the old way of living, of trying to fulfill the law on your own strength. Don't try to live the Christian life on your own strength. Don't try to be better. Don't try to be good. Does performance matter? Yes, but motives matter. It's a motive of love, not duty, not earning. It's like, well, I hope, I hope it's okay. I hope I've accepted. I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm forgiven. I'm working at being a son. I'm working at being a daughter. We're putting ourselves right under the law again. Needlessly, needlessly. God wants our participation. And I pray that you will be ignited with even more motivation as you embrace and receive this message today. That you won't take it as an excuse to do less in terms of full participation and motivation to please Him, because you love Him. If we love Him, obey Him. Does obedience matter? Of course it matters. Does it matter what our attitudes are? Does it matter how we live? Of course it matters. But what is the motivation? What is the orientation? What is the realization of where the power comes from? (laughs) It doesn't come because I'm so disciplined. It doesn't because I've got a strong will and resolve. It doesn't doesn't come because I just don't know how to quit. I persevere. I never quit. It's because of the power of God who saves and delivers and enables me to live the Christian life, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. The same life that raised Jesus from the dead is in us to forgive. The same life that raised Jesus from the dead is is in us for self-control, for patience and kindness. The same life, the same power, the same motivation to submit to the Father is in us. He is my freedom. He is my Father. He is my life. He is my faith. I don't want to be guilty of faith in faith. He is my life. He is my faith. He is my ability. He is my patience and my peace. And you fill in the blank from there. And he is the divine yes. The yes and the amen to all the promises of God in the face of temptation. And temptation actually becomes an opportunity to work out in God's gym and appropriate what's already true of me, building up my faith muscles, establishing me in the faith, working out my salvation with fear and trembling, participating wholeheartedly, growing more mature. What is maturity? What is maturity? 
Maturity isn't just head knowledge. Maturity is knowing who you are, knowing why you're here, and knowing where you're going, and living like increasingly that you know who you are, why you're here, and where you're going. How about you? Have you been trying to live the Christian life on your own strength? Or have you received your sonship, your daughterhood already? Let us pray. Lord, I just pray that you'll add the increase to this message of the truth will set you free. Lord, we tend to make being free of something the the goal, and I believe you want us to want you and more of you, the more more of the infinite you, more important than an experience, more important than being set free from something. You want us to be obedience-based, not outcome-based. You want us to be faith-based, not performance-based. You want us to receive and believe what's already true, what you've already purchased, what you've already done. We don't want to be guilty, Lord, of insulting you. We don't want our life to be an insult to the cross in terms of what you've already done. When you hung from the cross and you said, it is finished, it was finished, there's nothing we could add to it. There's nothing we could do. There's nothing we could do to perform. There's nothing we could do to add to it at all. We are complete in you. And yet, we know there's more that you want us to experience in you. There's more that you want us to know in relationship and reality with you. And I just pray that this message will motivate us, inspire us, not discourage us, because we tend to focus on our disciplines and what we're doing and what we're not doing. And Lord, you want us to humble ourselves and agree with you and let you be our freedom. Let you be our Father. Let you be our life. And let you be our divine yes. And not just let you (laughs) agree that you already are. In Jesus' matchless name, amen.